Something is wrong. Things have not returned to as they should be. We have apparently switched bodies. Coming up, Spock encounters an out-of-body experience that threatens to undermine critical negotiations with an alien species and destroy his engagement. What the hell is Enterprise Bingo? No shikli. Number one and Lon shed their tough exteriors and try to have some fun as they investigate the lower ranks game of Enterprise Bingo. And Strange New Worlds gives us a nostalgic blast from the past. All this and more coming up on Energize. 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 We're boldly going into the uncharted regions of the Star Trek universe before James T. Kirk. You're listening to Energize, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast, your source for in-depth analysis, colorful debate, and exciting discussions about the new adventures of Captain Pike and the Enterprise crew. I'm your host, Anthony McLemore. And I'm Steve Truitt. This week, key negotiations vital to the security of the Federation are put into jeopardy when Spock and fiancé T'Pring accidentally switch bodies. Here's a warp speed recap of Strange New Worlds Episode 5, Spock, a monk. We must prioritize our relationship. Of course, T'Pring. I am sorry the negotiations commenced unexpectedly. Yet we agreed this time would be for us. I'm concerned that your time in Starfleet may be causing you to behave in a manner so... human. We may ultimately find ourselves incompatible. You told her you were going to be home for dinner, and then you weren't. A Vulcan soul-sharing. I have failed to see your point of view. This will change that. Something is wrong. Things have not returned to as they should be. We have apparently switched bodies. We have a situation with the Rongovians. They refuse to talk to anybody but you. What? Captain, we have undertaken a ritual to share our katras. We have switched bodies. We seem unable to switch back. Get out of town. We are not in a town. Anthony, as we start out this episode, I have 11 words for you, but I think you know what those words are, so sing them with me. So last week when we were on the show, we made fun of the fact that they didn't use that music yet. And what do you know, in the opening scene, and as I predicted, I got to say this, I predicted that it was a dream sequence. Spock is fighting himself for the love of his woman in a ritualistic battle brought about by her. And they brought in that. And as soon as that first note hit, I'm like, that's the music I couldn't, I was so psyched about it. I couldn't believe it. I was literally just cheering because I, I was wondering, okay, how far are they gonna, gonna do the throwbacks? Uh, and and tip of the hats to the original series. And they completely did it. And it was like one of the best things because it's an iconic song. Anybody who knows 
original series Star Trek knows the character fight <laughs> yeah. song. And so they completely did it. And I was just like, yes. And it wasn't just that, right? So this is what I liked about uh, the direction from Rachel Lederman was it was a set, obviously, much like the original series. It had that red sky background. It almost looked fake. And the, if you watched Amok Time, which was the season premiere of season two, where Spock has to go back to Vulcan and mate with his girlfriend, for lack of a better Pong word, Pong. or he dies. Yeah, the Pong Far, right? And he, and he ends up having to fight Kirk. That's where the music comes from. And the if you watch the show, if you if you uh, YouTube Amok Time, it's the exact same weapons that they used. And this is what I loved about it. When, when uh, Vulcan Spock cuts uh, human Spock, it's the exact same cut in his shirt that Spock in the original series gave to Kirk. I mean, it was like almost shot for shot. And one more thing, like the large faraway master shot of the fighting was just like the original series. I mean, it was like an original fan's dream come true. It was awesome to watch. Which has been spoofed several times because it was done in The Simpsons. Mr. Burns was betting money on the fight. <laughs> it was great. It was great. It was great. Now I, I'm going to be honest. Um, this was an episode that I was not too keen on because when yeah. we when we discussed the sneak peek uh, for this week's episode, I was you know, I was like, okay, this is going to be a complete comedy episode. Here we go. They must have run out of money when they did last week's episode because the special effects were you know yeah. spectacular. And I just I you know I'm always leery of these episodes now there have been some good ones and and you know i don't want to completely poo-poo they have they've done really good comedic episodes but there are a lot of bad episodes that you clearly knew that okay we blew out the budget in the previous week so we need a couple of episodes let's make it funny yeah what i call the dialogue episodes (laughs) but but i will say this (laughs) I i was completely completely surprised so they 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 had me in the beginning with the whole fight sequence and yeah. homage to the original series. So that was really, really good. And then, and then as we started picking up, I was just like, okay, this is actually funny and cool. I, there was, there was humor throughout, which I was grateful for because look, the first four episodes, which I think they needed to do established that they are in space and that's dangerous. And they're on a five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. And that's, could be perilous and they take a break and they say look let's let's chill things out and i was worried last week after the the destruction rather the damage that the enterprise took in that uh battle uh, during memento mori i thought oh they'll, they may forget about it the next season the next episode rather and we'll just pick up somewhere no they went back to starbase one which i loved and they needed repairs and I, oh God, I just love, even though it's episodic, they're still kind of following a thread and it just was beautiful. So to follow up on your point, after that three minute appetizer, which was just red meat for all of us fans, we get into a pretty serious topic and it reminds us of the episode of the first episode where to is saying, look, I want you to be my husband. And you're, it seems like you're choosing Starfleet. I'm concerned that. Your time in Starfleet may be causing you to behave in a manner so human. We may ultimately find ourselves incompatible. And I think this was a very relatable story. And I think that's what sucked me in because 
I personally can identify with this with this storyline because when you had, you know, my wife is a career person. I'm a career person. She runs a company and, you know, I have my career as a producer director. And so those things do come in conflict when you have a career, you know, high performing careers that demand a, an extreme amount of time. And your personal life is the, the one thing that gets compromised over and over again. And so for me, watching watching this was you know definitely relatable and it was something that i'm familiar with and so it sucked me in because i wanted to see how they work through this i i thought that maybe at the end of this episode they would break up you know i did too and, if, and the thing i loved about it is i didn't know where this was going to go and i'm going to share your uh feelings last week too i have said every week on this podcast to my wife to you in person i i don't know how long they can keep up this really great pace of high quality and great story. And last week, I thought next week's not going to be good. I saw the teaser. We talked about it. Spock fights himself. I thought, oh my God, how silly. But I also said on this podcast and go back and listen to it. It's probably a dream sequence and it's not going to be most of the show. And I, I hate to keep admitting I was right, Anthony, but I was right. Um, this was This was a wonderful opportunity. You know what it reminded me of? kind of like a Seinfeld episode. You had four or five different stories going on at once, but they all weaved in with each other. And it really was centered around Spock's, you know, Spock's confrontation with his fiance, who understands that he has a duty to fulfill, but she's still a woman and she still loves him and she wants him around. I chose not to work even while I too had important work to do. A shared acceptance of mutual sacrifice is crucial to a successful relationship. Yes. And to your point, again, this is very, very relatable because even though even though they're Vulcan, even though they're logical, even though they are they are seemingly uh, separated from emotion, they really are tied to their emotions. It's just more of a control thing, and in many ways, and I'm, I'm going to try to figure out the best way to say this, she still behaved in a way that uh, a fiance would, in the sense that I need your time, and I'm not getting that time, and I feel jilted by it. And there have been plenty of times in my own relationships where mm -hmm. I said I would, hey, we're going to have this date, and uh, I'll be there at seven, and it, I end up either getting there later or I have to cancel because of work obligations. And so I, I right off the bat, I was just like, oh, yeah, I know that one. And she felt Listen, guilty. I, I have been in that situation myself in the past. I think that, you know, they always say the number one thing that couples fight over is money. I think it's priority. If you prioritize money, then you're going to fight about it. In this case, it's duty versus connection and even though and this is what i found the most fascinating is that even though to who is fully vulcan and spock who is half vulcan and they always mention that she's the one who's like i need you she's the clingy one he's the one saying i'm i'm you know bound by duty which i i think is a really great juxtaposition and i'm going to say it again i say it every week and i always surprise myself by saying this i just love the way they're writing this show it's just, it's like, it's as if they really sat down and said, how can we just kick everything out and start over and really just create a great show? And I, I, I just love it. I love what they're doing. 
And not only are we talking about talking about the dynamics of their relationship, what they are also what the writers are delving more into is the internal struggle that Spock is having between his human half and his Vulcan half. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's made clear that in the, the dream. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 yeah. Yeah. He, and he fights himself. So, okay. What does he do after a series of events, which forces him to recognize that he is not paying attention to his fiance? He says, listen, quite logically, let's share our katras. Let's, merge together in this sharing of perspectives so you can understand where I'm coming from. In other words, it's almost as if, if you remember the scene from Star Trek Into Darkness, when Spock, you know, risked his life on the planet and Uhura gets upset with him. It's only when he explains to her that he doesn't want to die, but that the impending death meant more to him because of what he would lose, that she finally understood where he was coming from. So plug that into now he just wants his girlfriend to know that he loves her right and what he's going through so So they begin this process of the the katra ritual of sharing of perspectives and it goes wrong the effects of the ritual have not dissipated we have apparently switched bodies this happened after Spock had a conversation with Nurse Chapel in which she slapped him. I found myself in an impossible circumstance where I was unable to reconcile my many things. That is not a human gesture I'm familiar with. For not being considerate, not understanding <laughs> right. where Tapring was coming from, which was a nice surprise, actually. I was right. like, did she just slap right. Spock? I think she did. Yep. Yeah. Yep, she slapped Spock. There's a great moment there. How many stories do we know where a girl smacks a guy upside the head and says, are you an idiot? You're not even seeing the point. That's that's an eternal thing. Oh, yeah. That's happened in real life. I've had um, many friend girls in my life basically yeah. proverbially slap me. And, you know, just say, <laughs> dude, what are you doing? You're not what are you thinking? Sure. Yeah. What are you thinking? Yeah. So, so basically, she illustrated that by actually slapping him. And I thought it was a pretty cool moment. Not only that, Anthony, but it, it sets up the entire theme of this episode, which if you really had to boil it down to one thing, it's what Pike says at the end, and we'll get back to this later, but it's really radical empathy. Are you able to truly understand the other person's perspective? That's sprinkled throughout this entire episode. And so for Spock to, to have radical empathy of Tupring's feelings, they do this melt and boom, next thing you know, it's uh, 2230 Freaky Friday. Yes, you nailed it on the head. And when I watched it, I was like, <laughs> this is Freaky Friday. It's Freaky yeah. Friday, Vulcan edition. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And the thing is, yeah. though, I wish we were able to do these things because I, I just honestly think if people were actually able to feel what the other person was feeling, I think yeah. many problems would be alleviated just because you would actually, because it's sometimes very hard to express it in words and other people, even when you're, you're, you're saying things in words, people can't see it, but to be able yeah. to share your thoughts and your feelings, you're able to truly see something from someone else's perspective. And I, wow, I just wish we had that gift. Well, me too. And I think those who are radically empathetic do have that gift. And it's also a burden because when you can understand everybody's feelings, it's pretty overwhelming because you take on their pain and that can be a, 
a, a pretty big rock to carry as well. And I'm pretty um, sure but, it could be paralyzing to make decisions sometimes when you know everyone's perspective. Right. When you know how it's going to impact people. Exactly. And, and this is what I love about Pike is that he seems to be someone who can consider all angles and just effortlessly make a choice based on what he sees. He's the one who quoted radical empathy in this series or rather in this episode. And, and we'll talk about that later, but I want to, I want to skip forward because we are going to talk about other stuff. Logic dictates that I ask if there are any circumstances under which you would accept our offer of rehabilitation at this point. No. To bring Spock into Pring's body now has to go and get Baja and rendezvous with him. And the question is, do we take him in? You know, he's a, he's a, obviously a, a character, a fugitive. Do we take him in or do we let him go? They're giving him the opportunity to make his case. Humans evolved from apes, did they not? You've kept many of their charming qualities, it would seem. I would caution you to stop insulting my companion. And all he does is insult Chapel, who's a human, and Spock. He thinks he's talking to Tupring, but he's actually talking to Spock, saying, how could you even be with a half, half human? And that doesn't go well, does it? You listen here. You listen. <laughs> Perhaps we should keep the details of how exactly we captured Barjan between us. Spock's human side went ahead and did what the average human would do <laughs> if somebody was yeah. uh, insulting their human parts. And so right. he was insulting his friend Nurse Chapel, but he was also insulting Spock's ha um, human half. So, you know, he pops him one, knocks him out. And, it, you know, this character, Baja, I don't know who it is. We may see him again or not. I don't know. It may be in canon. I actually don't know. I didn't look it up. No matter the case, what we're really seeing here is Spock gets to see himself represented through those who are speaking to his fiance. There's your radical empathy. It's an ability to see that. Conversely, now, uh, T'Pring, who's in Spock's body, has to go and negotiate. The Rongovian Protectorate controls a small but vitally important piece of territory in between Klingon and Romulan space. Right after this wonderful three-minute opening scene, we're engaged in diplomacy. And Robert April, who I am so glad is part of this series because he was actually the first captain of the Enterprise, becomes Admiral, hands it over to Pike. I love the chain of command here. It's really great. Pike calls him Bob. It's just fantastic. And April is setting up um, uh, Pike for a meeting with the Rungovians. Now, What is this? We have been waiting in our ship while you are here discussing our upcoming negotiations. You know, this is a race of people who are being courted by virtually everyone in the galaxy to join them. So you've got this Captain Vasso and his exo Brax and they show up early and they're pissed and they want to meet with Pike only and they want to get into a diplomatic debate. Spock's there. But what we see early on is a pattern with the Rungovians that they're meeting with all of these people but some people they like, some people they don't. What's Pike's plan here? Well, I mean, the thing about Pike is that, you know, Pike is Pike. He does things rather unconventionally and he's very sincere. So he kind of like goes straight at it with a joke right from the very beginning. I would have, you know, prepared a meal, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. 
he, he's a warm guy and uh, you know, I, you're a very warm fellow. I, I tend to think I'm kind of a, an affable guy and it's always yeah. a little alarming when you say something nice or charming and someone just stares at you stone faced and you're like, okay, that didn't work. Um, that, and that was my best stuff. So throughout this episode, what we're dealing with here is again, another example of we're not communicating. I want this, you want this, and we're kind of sticking to our own guns. And it's when in the negotiation table, when that now they've given up on Pike and they've asked, quote unquote, Spock, who's really to bring in Spock's body, to now sit down and negotiate that to bring has to now show her side through Spock. As a Vulcan, I sympathize with your fears that you will lose your culture to homogenization and a multilateral alliance like ours. And at first it doesn't go well. Oh, because she completely lays out her insecurities and her fears voicing through Spock's body. Which was like, Pike Pike is like, Oh no, (laughs) hold the phone. Hang on. And that's the thing. So so, hold on, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Hang on. Hang on. Well, so here's the thing we left out that, so it's, it's, it's discovered at one point Pike comes in to grab Spock because it's like, they want to talk to you. And at that point to bring in Spock has switched and they're trying to act like they're each other. That doesn't work. Finally, they look at each other and realize it's logical to tell Pike what's going on. Pike laughs at first. And he's like, wait a second, you're serious? Oh, shoot, get, we got to deal with this. Get out of town. <laughs> yeah. And there's that thread of humor just going through the whole thing. And here's the beauty of it. And again, I, I want to credit Rachel Lederman, the director here, who I think deftly maneuvered between canon, some really old classic stuff, some new stuff, and even at the end, playing a jazz song, who, which I didn't rec- recognize immediately, but was just kind of this 19... 90s jazz piece that I loved. She just really brought so much nuance and so much depth to this episode. So here they are. The the Rangovians are in a place of we can go anywhere we want. We can go with the Romulans, the Klingons, the humans, the Federation. Why should we join the Federation? And no one has had a good answer until Tapring starts to struggle and Pike goes, look, I'm breaking in here. What does he do? He went rogue. If I may, Spock, it is a noble sacrifice you've made to spend so much time away from your own culture. It is? Yes, it is. He says, listen, I'm just going to be straight with you. What do you get out of the Federation? Not much. You dilute your own species. You become part of a collective. You have to... Uh, then, you know, share values and identities with other people. What do we get out of it? Extra security. We definitely get a big portion of this. What do you get from the Klingon Romulans? Something a little different. Yeah, you're right. It may not be the best thing for you. And Admiral April's like, what are you doing? Yeah, he was completely shocked. He was just like, okay, I don't know where this is going. He wanted to like basically pull him back. But I think that, you know, Pike is smart. He actually saw an opportunity i think first he was trying to to protect spock and protect the situation that they're in but then he always defaults to you know something that's at his core and he just ended up just being sincere which is who pike is anyway to answer the question why the federation one need only look across the table captain basso 
You, Mr. Spock, are simply everything that is great about Starfleet. I love Pike, and, and I think, you know, the thing about him is that he introduces the idea and the theme of this episode is radical empathy, but he doesn't overdo it. And I think, you know, I really liked Discovery, but I feel like Discovery is over the top. I, I feel like Strange New Worlds is really an impossibly perfect mix of canon and new stuff and, you know, everything that society should be while going back to the original ideals of Star Trek, the Gene Roddenberry vision without shoving it down your throat, just being there. And he, he says it. No, I 100% agree. I mean, I mean, I, I like discovery season one and two and I've, we've discussed three and four. Yeah. It, it did get smothering with the lectures. Um, I do, I, I do like, you know, teachable moments and things like that. But you, if you're as a writer, you have to do it in a way where it doesn't come down heavy. You're right. It's show, don't tell. And the thing about Discovery is they tell. They don't show. And Discovery just, you know, if you want to lead, you lead by example. You don't talk to people and tell them this. It's just, I I, I love all Star Trek. I just feel like Discovery kind of lost its way. And and I think we get the theme of this episode, but there's a whole other genre, a whole other vibe going on here. And that is the underlying and much welcomed humor that was sprinkled throughout this show. And we saw that in the juxtaposition of the shore leave and then of Una and Nuni and Singh staying on the ship. What do you do have planned for shore leave? Are you kidding? They don't shore leave, they shore stay. All right. The nickname. So, you know, the, the, the cool people are going down for shore leave and it's revealed. What do they say about Una? Where the fun goes to die. That's right. And, and I love this aspect of, of this because so far with Una, what we've seen is duty. And we've seen a reveal of who she really is as an Elorian. We've seen her but as a counselor have, to Pike. Counselor to Pike calls him Chris. But what we haven't seen is the woman that says, yeah, I know I'm uptight, but. Why do you let it bother you? Hmm? Where fun goes to die. It didn't bother me. I just hadn't heard it before. Have you? No. And I don't care. I don't either. Just not knowing makes me feel out of touch. So when Una and Nuni and Singh decide they're going to stay on board, the first thing they discover is that there's a couple of ensigns and they're messing around, and they get caught playing Enterprise Bingo. Do you realize what kind of trouble you're in, Ensign? I was an Ensign once, too. I understand being nervous. It was Enterprise Bingo! We were doing Enterprise Bingo! I heard you. <laughs> what the hell is Enterprise Bingo? No clue. And at that point, I think that they both wanted to have some fun, number one and yeah. on. And so, Without a doubt. Uh, Exactly. So they go into this whole good cop, bad cop thing with the, uh, the two, <laughs> that was so two great. Uh, crew members. And I just thought that it was hilarious what they were doing. And you know, what's funny about that is that, that Una was the good cop. That's what surprised me. Well, she lost it because Laon yeah. you know, claimed, claimed bad cop first. Because remember, yeah, she was standing right. outside the door. <laughs> right. She's like, damn it. And so it, right, it, was, right. it was really, really cool. 
And yeah. I, I just I just enjoyed the sequence of events because once they discovered this thing called Enterprise Bingo, they're like, what are we missing out on? So they, they tried on, you know, themselves and try to right. play the game. One, two, three. Engineering. Destination, engineering. Woo! Oh, okay, fine. Damn it, okay. Best two out of three, go. And I think, uh, you know, the, one of the things I loved about that was and I don't know who's in charge of this, but it's as if I, I, I can't even explain it. I, I, I don't know who's doing this, but they're just doing a phenomenal job. Because when you think about catching these ensigns at Enterprise Bingo, that's lower decks. Like they're just throwing everything into this series without muddying it. It's just everything is an homage. Everything is done just right down the middle. It's brilliant. It's just brilliant. And so, of course, you know, some of, and then we get to see the montage of the bingo games that they have to play. And flavor check. Spinment again. Wow. Uh, does the gum taste run out and get refreshed when you get re energized? Uh, how fast can you say which deck you want to go to on the turbo lift? Lowest setting. Ready? A. Stings. And I love the Western <laughs> style. <laughs> the phasers at, the it's phasers at 10 paces. Exactly. Yeah, I thought that was <laughs> awesome. I was just like, they're really having fun. And it, it, and it would be fun to play Enterprise Bingo. I was like, I would, I would do that. I would do all of that stuff. It's hilarious. And, and those are and really the types of things that happen in lower decks. In real uh, I think so. I think you're right. And I think, you know, just, just beaming someone out and back again to see if the spearman is refreshed. Is such a genius idea, and that's a total lower deck thing to do. Um, uh, yeah, and, and the phasers at 10 paces. One thing's for sure, no one's signed the Scorch like this before. And we're 100% sure the force build will hold. Ninety-nine percent, at least. Truth is, the thing that and I loved how they end the episode with this. The thing that got me, that actually got me, it gave me the chills, was them standing out in a force field on the transom of the Enterprise. There they are, right at the end of the saucer section. And it, I don't know how to explain it. I get a little emotional about it because I love this enterprise, I love this version of it. I think it's the best one since the original series, or at least to the, since the Enterprise A. And there they are, and you could see all of it, and you could see themselves and the Bussard collectors spinning. And what a beautiful, beautiful homage to Grand Central Station, and I'll explain this in a second, that they have to sign the Scorch. In 1999 or 2000, Grand Central Station was given an entirely, it's in New York, it's where all the trains come in from other areas. Grand Central Station was given an entirely new remake, but they kept one square of the original station the same in the ceiling. And when you walk through Grand Central Station anywhere, or rather anytime in New York, and you look up at a certain area, you can see that one square from the original station. And to me, that's what this Scorch area was. You go out there and you sign the area that's never been replaced in any retrofit or any repair. And I, I, I felt 
emotional about that. And they look up and they see this solar sail ship leaving. And it, I don't know, man, I just, I loved it. But I, I think it was really good to see the, see more of the friendship between number one and La'an. Also, you realize that La'an is still just completely divorced from emotion. She She's there when everybody's beaming out the shore leave. Got to make sure yeah. it's done right. And, yep. and and number one is just completely oblivious to the fact uh, is, is oblivious to how the crew sees her, and I just and they're coming <laughs> to terms with that. And I think it's right. I thought that was really really cool. And then they mm-hmm. try to have fun, and not and still none of none of it's really fun. They did all these things. They're forcing themselves to to play Enterprise Bingo and and run the list, but nothing meant anything until they went out to the the top of the yeah. Ship. And there they were at this space on the ship that represented legacy, that represented timelessness, that represented struggle and, and honoring the past. Um, it was, it surprised me at how much it touched me that that's what the last piece was. Um, it was a love letter to the ship itself. And I just, uh, last week I thought there's no way next week's going to be any good. And this was one of my favorite episodes, which I can't believe I'm saying because all the other ones have been so good. Now, I was completely shocked. I went into this really negative because yeah. like I said before, this was going to be a dialogue episode and yep. let's yep. get in tap with our emotions and blah, blah, blah. But I was pleasantly surprised and humored and I really enjoyed it. It was yeah. good. I agree. Here's a sneak peek at next week's episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And I met years ago. He rescued me from another shuttle. Seems like you have bad luck with shuttles. Or good. Depending on how you look at it. (laughs) Well, uh, allow me to welcome you all to Enterprise. Your uh, new uniform is... Very yellow. Oh, it's gold, technically, because I'm uh, (laughs) a captain, so. Well, on behalf of Majalis, we thank you for your help, Captain Pike. Uh, This is my number one, Una, Lieutenant Commander Una Chin Riley. Allow me to take you to the ready room to debrief. But first, I must insist you take us to your medical facility. Of course, right away, uh, Chief Kyle will escort you down. Uh, sorry, are you the boy's father? Strictly in a biological sense. Well, from that clip, it looks like Pike has a blast from the past, a past love interest. Which is always a great thing for Star Trek, because we know from Kirk and uh, Carol Marcus, you know, they had a son together. They've introduced this boy. Uh, we don't know who it is, but I think it's going to be interesting to see. But but you know what? We've been wrong about the plot a se- several times by trying to predict what's going on. So who knows what could happen le- next week? But I do think it's going to be good. Well, what I'll do is I'll settle on this. When you see that there's a blast from the past, it's just another good opportunity for more backstory on Pike. Yeah, and he, he seems to be flustered by this woman. And so... As I mentioned before, I'll be really, really curious to see how Pike responds to both that kind of situation and somewhere, some situation where someone is 
killed on his command or he makes a mistake. I've been waiting for that. I know it's coming. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. You're going to will it into being. I'm willing it into being just like I will. Listen, they heard us last week with the music and they put it in. <laughs> I'm telling you, they heard us talking about it and they put it in there. It was great. It was great. One of the, one of the <laughs> fine moments of the show. Well, that wraps up this week's edition of Energize. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm Steve Truitt. And I'm Anthony McLemore. Live long and prosper.